Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. All right, thank you, Dante Gomez. Wheeling his way out of here. He's pretty good with that knee scooter. Welcome into the program, our old friend, former host of Chip Shots on this uh, very radio station, Kevin Laura. How are you, Kevin? Judge, I am doing great. I'm uh, I'm not in jail, and I'm uh, I'm not having any pending litigation, so I'm very happy. Fantastic. Now, what? Give us your big <laughs> official title. You're the big head honcho for the Inspirado Colorado Open, and you're the the director of what, the First Tee Colorado. Tell us uh, the, the official title. Uh, so I'm the CEO of the Colorado Open Golf Foundation, and that oversees the Inspirado Colorado Opens and the First Tee at Green Valley Ranch. So that's the nonprofit arm that I am running for Mr. Hamill. Then I also am the president of Green Valley Ranch Golf Club, LLC, that runs Green Valley. And then I'm also the director of the Carmel Classic Invitational, which is the big multi-million dollar fundraiser we run in October at Pebble Beach. Man, you are bigger than even I remembered, man. Why am I not getting more free golf out of you? What's going on here? Well, you're going to be able to get more free golf because I'm also the CEO of Pat's new golf course that he's building down at 470 and Parker. So, I mean, you might you get public or private golf out of me. That's, That's where I live. Wonderful. I live there. That's right where I live. Great. Yeah. Um, hey, Kevin, now I want to get you on. Um, first off, tell us about this is a fascinating, um, fascinating thing. You, you post an article on social media, and I've always been intrigued. By this thing with David Duvall, Duvall mm-hmm. uh, former number one in the world. He was supposed to be Tiger Woods' number one rival, man. Like, he was there. Like, he won. What, what did, did he win three majors or just won, win the one? No, he, he won multi-majors. Never won a U.S. Open, unfortunately. Yeah. So, he won three majors. He was, you know, got a huge deal from Nike. And he, he lives here still in Cherry Hills Village. And then just something went well, – first off, do we – I think I've read it. I always forget what it was. Something went wrong um, health-wise. But golf is one of those sports, right? This is why we, we always go back to golf, right, Kevin? We always think we can get our game back, even though we can't, right? <laughs> but we always expected him to get his game back, and it just never came back, right? Yeah, if you remember, he went through that really big fitness craze, you know, uh, back when Annika, just before Annika did the same thing. And he was just spelt, and he shot 59 in Palm Springs in the Bob Hope or then called the Bob Hope. So he, he was number one in the world for almost two years. I mean, he was just a a man among boys, but um, yeah, he just started getting into some health issues. And I think he took the physical fitness side too far and just kind of lost some of his touch because he's a very, he's very much an artist, artistic golfer, not a technical golfer. If you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Tom Kite was all technical uh, VJ Singh, all technical, and David was very much like an artist. So I think he just lost some of that touch going through all the physical changes he did back in the uh, early 2000s, late 90s. So what's fascinating is, and this is what I saw this week, I said, I got to get Kevin on. And one, every year I should get you on because we need to you know, help promote local events because next week is the Colorado um, Open out at Green Valley Ranch. And, and let's talk about, um, after I ask you this question, let's talk about like how people can get involved with this and have fun out there. But here's why I wanted to have you on. David Duvall, now, as a past champion, um, like I have past champion status at the El Coop Open, which is kind of like the fifth major. Um, 
But, like, how long is it? Is it a lifetime exemption? For the Colorado Open? No, no, for the, the British Open. No, British till he's 60, yeah. So uh, so he's, he's only got a few eligible. left. Yes, he is. So, so, so he's got a few of these left. He could play next week. He has an exemption. He could play in the British Open. <laughs> or he could play in the Colorado Open with his son, and he's going to be playing right here at GVR with you in your tournament. Tell us about it, man. I think it's really cool. Well, we've been trying to get David um, for years, um, and he's he's not been very competitive, as you know, and that's one of the reasons why going to the British Open and not breaking 80 is not, uh, you know, the greatest thing for one's ego. And he's starting to play better right. on the Champions Tour. He's broken 70 a couple times now, but um, his son, uh, Brady, is graduating and going to play at Coastal Carolina, so he really wants Brady to play in more uh, championship-quality golf against people that can kick his head in so he gets really ready for college. And uh, when we were talking, David said, well, would uh, you let Brady play if I play? And I go, of course, but, yeah, it's like you're going to play. Because, you know, he wants to ride in a cart and wear shorts and just kind of be comfortable. He said, no, I'm serious. I want Brady to play, and if you'll get him in, I'll, I'll play. So it was really that easy after years of trying to coerce him to – to see it. So I really do think it's Brady's age and competitive nature right now that said David's going to just blow up the British Open and, and stay in, at home. Yeah, so talk to me how this is going to look because David Duvall, three-time major winner, he's won, I th- I, what did he win, like 13 maybe PJ yeah, Tour 13 events? 13 Tour events. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, former number one in the world is going to be playing at the Colorado Open, but there are legitimate good sticks that are going to be playing out there in – so he's probably not going to win, is he? I mean, he can, but like, how's it going to look? Derek Tolan's going to no, be no. out there. Matt, yep. Ch- I mean, yep. Matt. Ch- I mean, talk, talk to me about it. I would say um, David will make the cut, but I, I think just like when Nota Begay played with us, um, the, he's there's 30 guys that can win, and they're not named David Duvall because these guys are playing every week, trying to Monday into Corn Ferry events or playing in the U.S. Opens. Uh, we have three past U.S. Amateur or NCAA champions. So, I mean, these guys have game. Um, but what's nice is I paired David with Kevin Stadler, who's also a past Color Open champ, mm-hmm. and with Matt Schalk. So at least he's going to be playing guys that he's comfortable with. Uh, neither of the three, I think, can win. Uh, but they are going to be having a good time, and they won't have the pressure on them of, uh, you know, playing with somebody that's just kicking their head in every, you know, the first two rounds. So I think all three will make the cut, but I just, uh, I don't see the champ coming out of there because I can't predict two wins, but it's usually someone that's just a Monday weekly grinder trying to get corn fairy status. Uh, we need to get my guy Kane Fitzgerald from uh, Meadow Hills over there. I don't know why, I don't know why he doesn't ever play, but he, I bet you he could. Oh, give- no, he plays every year. This year he couldn't play because of a conflict, but he's one of the few uh, club professionals in Colorado that always makes the cut. I mean, he, he's got a, he and Jeff Kiefer at Lake from Lakewood are, are the two club professionals of Colorado that really, and now Matt Schock that really make the cut every year. Really? So one time I'm at him with the, on the driving range. I'm like, Hey, can you show me something? He's showing me something. I'm like, well, I'd love to see you hit, uh, you know, Kane, everybody tells me how great you are. And he says, well, do you have a left-handed club? And I said, oh, I didn't know you were left-handed. <laughs> so he takes a right-handed club, hits it backwards, left-handed, and he hits it to 60. 
I mean, it was yeah. sickening, like backward. I was like, oh, man, this guy. <laughs> um, so tell us how people are involved, you know? I mean, do you have gal- you know, crowds out there? You show up? So, I mean, what, what's it look like out there? What do you want? Yeah, we, we uh, have free admission, so we uh, will welcome anyone that wants to come watch David or, or Stads or any of our players. Uh, we've got so many good ones, and uh, parking is free. You just uh, come out to GVR, park around our first tee building or anywhere in the neighborhood and just come in and um, tee times from Thursday and Friday are from 7 to 9 and 12 to 2. So uh, people can come out and watch the morning wave. Uh, Duvall's going to be late early, so he's going to be about – one o'clock. I think he's one o five on Thursday, and then seven. Uh, no, maybe eight o'clock on Friday. So one o five and eight o'clock is our premier group. But we've got a lot of premier groups around them. A lot of our past champions um, uh, in that late Thursday, early Friday round, and and then we have a cut on Friday, and then there's sixty players that play Saturday and sixty that play Sunday in the morning again. So uh, again, it's free all week though, and free parking too. I wonder why we don't get like a like a Brandon Stokely to play in something like that, you know? Well, Stoke, we've we've asked him. You know, we had um, oh, what's our kicker's name? I just forgot his name. McManus. The one we just yeah. So uh, McManus played the last two years, and Stokely uh, wanted to play. Uh, we tried to convince him, and even McManus didn't break eighty any of the four rounds he played the two years. You know, he missed the cut both times, but. We invite Stokely to consider it, but you, as an amateur, you have to have a 2.4 or better. Mm-hmm. So he's got to be posting all his rounds. I haven't seen what his handicap is, but, you know, and, and if you're barely a 2.4, you're going to get your head kicked in. So, you know, you almost have to be a plus 2.4. To, so a 2.4, to what, what are you shooting every time you're out? 2.4 is shooting maybe 75 average, depending on how hard the course is. No, nah, I don't. I don't Stokely's, Stokely's really, really good. I don't, I don't think he's quite, I don't think he's quite there. Yeah, I don't think really he good. shoots in the 60s. Either. I mean, you've got to have a bad day and shoot 68 to to compete in this kind of event. Yeah. And that's why some of these high schoolers that are coming in just do it for the experience because they have to realize how far behind they are compared to their NCAA or professional competition. Um, cool, man. Well, so we'll check that out. I did want to ask you, this is fascinating to me, this live golf thing. Uh, and the merger now with the PGA. Now the stuff. Did you did you follow the stuff the the stuff leaking out about how they were going to try and force Greg Norman out and the stuff with Tiger, uh, maybe a Tiger team and all that. Uh, what's your take on the merger with the PGA and Live Golf and all that stuff? Uh, it's so weird because you know I worked for the tour for a while and I know Jay and I really I was so shocked that they did the behind the scenes deal and. But that's why I'm just a little old tournament director and not a, a, a major executive of a billion-dollar company because those guys are just all about business. Um, I really am I'm proud of Rory for standing up and, and taking a stand and telling him I would die before I play with Liv. Or, um, but he'll deal with it, you know, this merger. But I, the most fascinating thing, Dan, is that Tiger hasn't spoken. And just like LeBron with the NBA or EF Hutton, man, when he speaks, everyone's going to listen. And that's that's what's going to be really telling because you know he, he left eight hundred sixty million on the table because he didn't want to go live, um, so I can't believe he's happy. But uh, I really feel bad with the guys that stayed you know with PGA Tour and didn't take any live money, and now they're being forced into a partnership with those same guys. So it's just going to be it'll it'll settle down in a year or two. But I can't wait till to hear what Tiger says. What do you think it's going to look like? I think the purses are going to be great. Um, you know, the PGA Tour, even back in the 90s and 80s when I worked there, everyone was pushing for, you know, guaranteed money. And I think 
the beauty of the game of golf over any sport is that if you don't play well Thursday, Friday, you get $0.0 other than your sponsor money that you, you get, obviously. But I've always loved that. And this day and age, people are, you know, there's so many enablers. If they, if they go that route and they go guaranteed contract money, which is what Liv does, that's, that to me is just going to, you know, lower the bar, you know, a, a full step and a full, full rung. And I really don't want it to go there. Um, so that's the only thing I'm, I'm rooting for, Dan, is that it doesn't become, hey, you know, I'm Tiger Woods. I have an $82 million a year contract to play this many tournaments and like Major League Baseball, football, every other sport. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm playing good or injured or not. I still get my money. And that to me is, is opposite of what golf has always been about. Wow. Kevin, you're always my favorite to play golf with, although we haven't done it in 15 years, because I, I can never lose a ball when I'm playing with you because you're an eagle eye because you're a former Evans scholar, so you're the best ever. <laughs> well, I love being invited on your show, and yeah, anytime you want to talk about Power Open, because we still have the Senior Open next um, month, and we're going to have Glavin and Smoltz play, so we're going to have some baseball greats as well as past tour champs playing, so... Oh, yeah, come Let's on, uh, that, hit me up. To, uh, we'll we'll get you back on then. Sounds great. I All appreciate right. it. Kevin Laura, appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Peace. All right, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, David Duvall giving up, saying no to the British Open to play right here uh, at GVR next week in the Colorado Open. All right, let's get back to um, you guys on the RamosLaw.com text line. He's got some more conversation on this Russell Wilson topic, both the comeback player of the year and then also something I was talking about with James Mallett. We'll get into that coming up next. Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. He came from Skipping skipping out on, if he's only got it till he's 60, the exemption, that's pretty fascinating that uh, he's skipping out on one of his last few times to play a major to stay home and play in the Colorado Open. I think that's pretty cool. Now, for David Duvall, you're right. Like, so if you're David Duvall, one, you know. David Duvall is just a fascinating story to me. Yeah, one, if you're going to play in the, in, in the British Open, one, it's probably, it's probably embarrassing. You know, you're not going to make the cut. You're not playing well. You're a former champion. It's all a matter of perspective, right? I mean, do you, do you go over there with the, hey, I just want some nostalgia and um, I'm here for the ride? But you also cost some money. Like, unless he can find a sponsor to say, hey, um, we're going to pay for you to go over there. I mean, so he's not going to get any prize money. He's got to pay for the airplane. He's got to pay for the, you know, the room, the lodging, all that stuff. And I'm going to go over there to shoot 85 back to back or whatever, or whatever he would shoot. I don't know. But I think that is cool that he says, no, I'm just going to, I'd rather stay here and play in the Inspirado Colorado Open here with my son. So that's pretty cool. So um, you guys can go check that out. You can see a former three-time major Golf champion play right here at GVR 
um, up north. So you guys can do that next weekend. All right, uh, somebody on the RamosLaw.com text line. This is Derek. He says, Dan, I'm trying some pork steaks tonight. Do you think I'm wasting a good pork butt? No, nah, man. If you like it, are you going to marinate them? What are you going to do? How are you, you cooking those things up? But no, that's that's fine. Um, Dan, I agree with you. Comeback player of the year goes to um, somebody that played best after a big injury. Let's ignore the sympathy votes. No participation awards. It's not that nobody. Hey, we all love Demar Hamlin. And if he comes back and he plays great, he's going to coast to the award. But just coming back and just being around and just not getting cut or just stepping onto the field like DMAC was basically saying, I think DMAC did say, yeah, no, if he's on the team, he's in. He's the comeback player of the year. Good luck. Beat him out. And it's like, no. <laughs> now, is Russell Wilson a tricky story? Yes, because you know, I know for most people the perception is, well, he just stunk. So why would he why should he win it? And and yes, typically, because you want it to be a good story. Right? You want the comeback player of the year to have overcome some type of adversity. Right? And you want it to be a likable story. So Jamal Murray, for example, is a great story, man. Like, and that was like like watching Jamal Murray's ESPY speech, for example. This is the reason why I really like Jamal Murray because you can tell he gets emotional every time he talks about things. He's getting emotional. It's a good story, man. Like you can tell you can tell he cares. He's passionate. Jamal Murray is, and it was hard for him, man. It was really really hard for him to come back and win a championship. So, man, you rooting for that guy. So that's why typically. Coming back from a, a big injury, that's why that's the awards usually go to those type guys. But it's not always like that. Like Geno Smith, what did Geno Smith come back from? He's the last guy to win it in the NFL. What did he come back from? He came back from just never being any good, and now he was good, right? He was wasn't even that good. So they gave it to him, right? Doug Flutie just wasn't good enough to be in the league. Went the went to the CFL, came back. It wasn't like it wasn't even like he won a Super Bowl or he was the best in the league that year. He just came back, was a good story, and they gave it to him. Tommy Maddox drafted to replace John Elway. Run out of the league because he wasn't good enough. Was selling insurance in Texas, and came back. And I think he went. It wasn't fifteen and one because they weren't. I don't think they were. I think maybe that maybe the Steelers did go fifteen and one that year. But he came back and was just unbelievable. Whatever, whatever it was, he was NFL comeback player of the year. Didn't even have to win a Super Bowl or anything. It was great for him. I don't know that I care that much about Tommy Maddox, but so it's not always from injury. But you got to do something compelling and it's likable. You want to root for the guy. And the problem for Russell Wilson next year is, and this was the debate we're having with James is. Are people, even if he plays well now, are people going to be rooting for Russell Wilson? I think they will. But it's interesting the because, you know, now James is talking about it. Matt was talking about it. DMAC was talking about it. They are absolutely in love with this Netflix documentary. It's called Quarterbacks. I'm like, well, have we been unfair to Russell Wilson with the... You know, everybody else has had all this, these things, these chefs and offices and this and that. Well, the answer is yes and no. 
It's not the fact that he Russell Wilson's had these these other things. It's the fact that he's he he makes himself unlikable. It's the fact that he that he is putting himself out there. He is promoting his brand and putting himself out there. It's the fact that he's trying to say he's cool and he's not cool and that he is cringy. And and it, I was saying um, to DMAC this week when I was on the drive. Like, it's weird to say I feel bad for Russell Wilson. Because, I mean, I don't feel bad for Russell Wilson because he's Russell Wilson. Like, he's got, you know, everything you need. But I do I do have some sort of sympathy for him. But a lot of this is self-inflicted. Like, even James is kind of apologizing for him, right? Like, oh, that, that's a you problem. If you think he's cringy, it's a you problem. Well, obviously it's not when this is a big criticism for him. When he gets up there and his team is in a free fall and he's doing, let's ride. Because he wants to have his catchphrase out there, because he wants to have a catchphrase, that's not a me problem or a fan problem or everybody, his colleagues making fun of him problem. That's a Russ problem. That's a lack of awareness problem. That's a being tone deaf problem. That's a Russ is cringy problem, right? That is a Russ problem, not a it's a us problem. That's a Russ problem, not a us problem. I kind of like that. Right. And like where I was conflicted, the charity stuff. And every time I brought it up, like DMAC, I, everybody's scared to talk about it still. And I guess so I guess Russ wins on this. Right. Russ's strategy, the PR strategy was let's just talk about it. Let's do our one press conference where we take no responsibility for it. Nothing to see here. And it'll just blow over. And DMAC ran from it. And James wanted to say, oh, this is different. They want to bring up this Netflix documentary series about, oh, everybody had the personal chefs. It's not fair to criticize Russ, but to bring up the charity story, which is a legitimate newsworthy newsworthy story. It's not personal. This is a story that's newsworthy. It's fair to talk about, but oh, everybody wants to shrink away from it. This is a criticism of Russell Wilson because he makes it a story. When he says, when his people, his handlers, and he himself make part of his public persona an image about his charity work, and then he fails on that front, it's part of the dialogue. It's part of the public discourse. And we, and we are allowed to say we're disappointed when he doesn't take ownership of the shortcomings. And for me, that was where I was the most disappointed in Russell Wilson. I think he do, I, I think on many areas, as I've articulated, Russell does get um, the shaft a little bit, right? Like, like, like this whole, oh, Russ was fat dad bod thing. I was going back and forth with a texter. Yeah, this idea that Russ was fat. And like a lot of the you know, media types are like, Russ is fat. Good God. I'd love to be fat like Russell Wilson. And so would they. It's, it's absurd. Russell Wilson works hard. He just wasn't good. There were a lot of things that went into it, but it wasn't because he was just sitting around, going to buffets, lounging around, you know, because he went to Monaco and partied with his wife, his rock star wife. I don't believe that. And I still, it's hard for me. The charity thing is hard for me because I, 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 I hold it, a, a, a deep-seated belief in my heart, in my core, that if you are blessed in life, you should bless others. And that if you have a platform, not that you shouldn't receive those blessings, that you shouldn't enjoy everything that, that you're, you receive. 
Russ is allowed to take full advantage of everything that he's got in life. He's worked hard. He's been the recipient of all sorts of good stuff, and I assume he's a good person. And and he should take advantage. It's like we're thing you know the the thing with Taylor Swift. Shouldn't be able to have people crying about her being on an airplane, riding a private, you know, renting a private jet. Get off it. If Russ wants to do what Russ wants to do and he wants to bless his kids, I have no problem with it. But I personally believe, not that he should be thrown in jail if he shouldn't, if he doesn't do it, but in, any of us should lift other people up if we can, to the extent that we can. Now, we don't have to go, I'll go give away all of our earthly possessions and go, you know, live in a monastery or whatever, you know, live in villages. If you want to do that, by all means. But within reason, man, I would hope you would lift people up if you can. And I I thought Russ was about that, and I still want to believe he is. But when you find out that a a charity is mismanaged like that, and they aren't following the rules like they apparently weren't, and it was missing the mark, to put it nicely, the way it was, and to see the, at least the appearance of impropriety, like we were looking, according to those articles, and for him to come out, because I wanted to believe, like, man, you know, that wasn't Russ. He wasn't complicit. That, you know, maybe it was, you know, he, he wasn't aware. But for him to come out and be almost like he was just complicit in the cover-up, to be honest with you. If he would have just come out and owned it, then I could have been on board, man. Because I, I would have been, I, I still, like, like like James was talking about. Like, I've been around these athletes. When James talking about, he he doesn't have to sign the autographs. He doesn't have to, the first thing that happens when he lands in Denver is to go to the children's hospital. I still love the fact that he does the work that he goes to the children's hospital, that he does the charity events. And I don't care that he gets the recognition. Even if he's doing it to get the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award for selfish reasons, I don't care because he's still doing the work. And one, I don't think he's doing it solely for that. Maybe maybe if a goal of his was to be, I don't even care if it was, if there was some selfish motive, I still wouldn't care. Because one, what if he said, you know what? I want to be, that's a goal of mine, to be the Walter Payton Man of the Year. That's something noble to strive for, and I'm cool with that. I'm not cool with the the nefarious stuff behind the scenes. And if we're here to line our buddy's pockets, I'm not cool with that. But if we're, but so, so, so you're going to address it, but own it. And so I'm supremely disappointed that he never owned it. And he still hasn't owned it. And we're all just going to pretend it never happened. Nothing to see here. And hopefully there's a follow-up article when they have to do their financial reports again. I think it was SI that did the report or whatever. Hopefully they do another story next year. For all the charities. Again. So, but no, I I don't give Russ a pass because everybody else had personal chefs. When he does things like that, he puts the spotlight on himself. If you're going to shine a spotlight on yourself for charity work, and I think the charity work is noble, and I don't even care if you shine the spotlight on yourself for the charity work. Because you know what happens when it's a slippery slope, right? Like, Like people are so indignant about 
when you talk about charity work. Like, like I can't even like, like, like even on this show, for example, I, I don't like to brag about charity work, but I do like to shine a light on charity work whenever we can to, to help people. Right. So if, so if I mention, for example, the free meals we do, it's not to say, Hey, look at me. I'm a good person. I do free meals, but I want to let people know the free meals are out there every first and third Thursday if they need them. Right. It's not about me. It's about helping. And I will do whatever it takes. And people insult me all the time about it. Uh, look at you, you big snob. Oh, good for you. Why do you brag? Fine. Make fun of me all you want. I don't care because if it means I get to help people, then I will help people and my ego can handle it. You can make fun of me and you can, if you are so insecure or whatever, if you have a problem, if there's something going on in your life where it makes you feel better to insult me because I'm trying to help somebody, that's fine. And if that means people get free groceries that week and then they get to eat some, you know, some, some barbecue that, I, you know, whatever, fine, I'm cool. And if you think it's because I did it because of my ego, I can't, that's fine, man. If, if it means I got to help somebody, that's fine. And if, you know, people are upset with Russell Wilson for, for promoting his charity work, I'm sure he feels the same way. And I don't have a problem with him promoting his charity work as part of his brand because he helps more people that way. But if there's a problem, he's got to own it. And I want him to continue to do the charity work, but it's disappointing. And if you're going to do the high knee thing, and if you, I don't have a problem with athletes wanting to promote their brand. But I'm not going to give them a pass. If, if it doesn't work, and if the performance isn't there, and if you're bad at it, <laughs> And if it's poor taste, and if you have a lack of self-awareness, I don't care what's in a Netflix documentary. If Patrick Mahomes was four and twelve every year, or four and fifteen every, or you know five and uh, you know five and twelve, whatever the math is, every year, it would be a problem for him too. And if Patrick Mahomes displayed the blatant lack of self-awareness that Russell Wilson does all the time or has done this year. It would be a problem for Patrick Mahomes. So I understand that they saw this documentary and they're like, wow, man, maybe we've been unfair to Russ. And we have been unfair to Russ in certain situations. I think the weight thing, incredibly unfair to Russ. Any, any notion that is advanced that Russ doesn't work hard, I think is incredibly unfair to Russ. Because everything we've seen and heard is that Russ works really hard, and he tries hard. So I think there are all sorts of things that are unfair to Russ. But to try and now, oh, I watched this documentary, and all these guys are doing, we should give him a pass. By the way, Kirk Cousins does get the same criticism that Russ gets. Did you not see his tweet this week? What did he say? It was something like, um, if I walked on water, my critics would say it was because I couldn't swim or something like that. Like, Kirk Cousins, they do kill. Kirk Cousins in the same way that Russell Wilson gets killed. You want to know why? Because he gets paid sick money. He got paid all that money, guaranteed money, $50 million per year, and he gets all this money, and they're disappointing every year. That's why. Now, Patrick Mahomes, he may be the greatest. He's not now, but he may go down as the greatest of all time. Therefore, 
he doesn't get the same level of criticism. Now, is it like Patrick Mahomes just walks around like a deity? No, he gets criticism too. But no, I'm not. I'm not giving Russell Wilson a pass. All right, we'll take a. Um, I'll take a uh, peek at the text line. Give you a chance to react to what we've been talking about all day, and then I'm going to get this question. I'm feeling. I'm waxing philosophical with Taylor Swift in town. Something I saw on the drive this week. I know you can buy happiness. Should you buy happiness? We'll get to that as well. Coming up next. Judge, jury, executioner. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. Way back when, in 67. Russell didn't do a press conference regarding the charity. He did a self-shot video in the parking lot of a high school gym. They didn't have to take questions from the press. Russell is very calculated with everything. Uh, Yeah, something in the middle there. It was, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a big official press conference. It was in the offseason. I mean, and this is on the, you know, the media as well, but it's, that was it. Just, that was it. Story broke. It was a big conversation, like, on this station and elsewhere for a couple days. He did his little video. That's it. It's over. To my knowledge, I'm the only one that ever talks about it, ever. And it's just it's just disappointing. And we don't have to talk about it forever. If he would just say, hey, if you just take ownership of it and say, man, I was, I'm disappointed because this is something that's near. Because I think it is. Like, it's very, it's near and dear to my heart. We weren't doing, we weren't doing some things right, you know, and we got to get better. Like it's just, I, I, he doesn't have to get even that deep into specifics. He could just say, you know, I, I don't. He was what he was trying to say was we'll get better. What we need to get better at, but he was acting like they hadn't done anything wrong. It was clear they weren't doing things up to these standards and practices for a nonprofit charity their size. And it was just disappointing if he could have just take an ownership of it. And then you had some people saying, well, maybe he didn't even know. Like, like they're trying to say the, the Russ is too dumb defense. Like, like, like Russ isn't bright enough to know what's going on with his charity or something, which I don't believe. Russ seems perfectly articulate. He seems like a very um, thoughtful and articulate guy. Um. Russell Wilson, unlike other uh, that un- others that do this charities events and such, the majority of those players don't make it about me, 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 like Russell Wilson does and make the cameras catch it for him. So everyone has to be forced to see it. And the look at me attitude, that's from Derek and Castle Rock. I get it. It turns some people off. And, and if that's your opinion, 100%. I just personally don't have a problem with it if it helps shine, if it helps anybody else. Cool. <laughs> because I'm for the. Uh, because it helps that person. Like, for example, somebody texted me during the break asking about the free meals. I mean, I was able to shoot them a quick te- you know, text. Boom. There you go. Hopefully they're able to take advantage of it. And they could do that every <laughs> twice a month because they get free groceries and meals. Like, it's fine. Like, because it, it's about the end, the means. Right? It was the same thing with Tebow. Right? Like, Tim Tebow, there, like, there is a video. This is where I came on board with Tim Tebow, right? This is how I like to articulate it. There's a video, and by the way, I don't think Tim Tebow shot this. In fact, I'm certain Tim Tebow didn't shoot this video. It's got to be a family member. I think it was a family member in the room, right? But there was a kid, 
in a hospital bed, looked pretty clearly with cancer, had, you know, had no hair, couldn't walk, was sitting in a hospital bed, um, had a Florida Gators blanket on his bed. Tim Tebow walks in, and the kid looked like, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years old, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. The kid literally is so excited, loses his powers of speech. Uh, it's just, it, it's the biggest thing that's, that's happening in his life. And this kid, you know, may, may look like, you know, could be dying. And he's just so, so excited. And no matter what happens the rest of that kid's life, this is going to be a magical, magical moment for him. And Tim Tebow gets down on one knee. And because the kid can't talk, he literally can't talk. He's crying tears of joy. And so what Tim Tebow does is he gets down on one knee and he's engaging this kid. And, he, and it's, it's an incredibly awkward situation, right? Like, what are you going to do? Because you can't talk to him. He's like, hey, how's it going? And, and, he's just, and, and Tim takes the time. And he starts talking to him about his, you know, the, the kid, I think, had like a little stuffed gator toy, like Florida gator. He says, hey, I like your alligator. I like your gator. How you doing? And he takes the time to spend some quality time with that kid. And he, and he made a difference in his life. And so I don't care if Tim Tebow's people publicize the video for Tim's foundational purposes or for Tim's purposes at all. Because you know what? That kid got that experience. And that kid got helped. And hopefully Tim Tebow has helped more kids. And Tim Tebow went and put on a prom for special needs kids. Right? Now, is it nicer to think about, like, the Jake Plummers of the world, for example, Jake Plummer had a foundation. I assume he still has it, but he, when he was the starting quarterback here, he had a foundation. And here's, what, here's the type of things Jake Plummer would do. There was a lady, I think her name was, her name doesn't matter, but she kind of helped John Lynch's foundation, and she would, she would run Jake's foundation. Jake would just call her up and go like, hey, Children's Hospital, can, cancer ward, cancer floors. I think there was two of them, right? He'd just be driving around. He'd go, hey, Judy, um, every kid gets a PlayStation 3. All right, bye. And don't tell anybody. <laughs> That's it. And then the Broncos PR guys would be like, Jake, you can, we got to tell people. That's awesome, dude. We got to tell people about it. And Jake would be like, no, I don't want people to know. I don't want people to know. And that's cool that Jake didn't want people to know, right? Like, that's noble. But what if... Just think about it this way. What if somebody listening found out about, like, here's a good story, right? Somebody was listening that had money to the radio station and said, I like that Jake Plummer did that. I want to do that, too, and I'm going to call in and I'm going to do the same thing, right? Because they found out about what Jake did. Pretty darn cool, right? Because it's a pay it forward type thing. So if we can share the experiences, it's kind of cool. I mean, we ha we we had that happen here. I won't go into the deep story, right? But we had an event years ago. We were doing something for the children's hospital, and we wanted to build this um, relaxation therapy lounge. It was going to take fifteen thousand dollars for these kids um, that that could, uh, had stress about getting IVs, right? And it was going to take $15,000, and we didn't know how we were going to get the money, and we are stressing out about it. 
but we were able to shine a light on it. And some guy just walked in at 6 a.m. at a remote. And he says, don't mention my name. Just just put down a check. He said, build it. $15,000, cashier's check, no name on it, just to build it. Right? And the only reason was because we were talking about it. Right? So, so I don't have a problem. It was beautiful. And we ended up raising like $115,000 that day because everybody got excited and they felt the moment, and everybody started paying it forward. And we we had to wake up executives at the children's hospital and say, "What else do you need?" And we started saving people's lives that day. They said, "Well, if we raise this money, we can put this many kids in clinical trials, which we know saves lives." And it was awesome, man. And people got excited. It pays it forward. So I don't have a problem talking if Russell Wilson or Tim Tebow or these guys want to. And I respect what Jake Plummer does, right? But. When Jay Plummer does something and you can share that experience with other people, other people get involved too. And so if Russell Wilson shares his experiences, I don't have a problem with it. It's a good thing. We all get involved. And I understand people, it turns some people off. But if it helps, if sharing the experience, even if it looks like look at me, helps other people, I'm cool with it. But but if you if you make a mistake... You got to own up to it, man. And and this this just leaving that thing sitting out there. Maybe if he comes out and he is the comeback player of the year, maybe maybe you can just forget about it. But I I still think that's one of the great failings of of Russell Wilson's career is that he's just letting that thing sit out there. And if he doesn't get back and he doesn't win, like like that thing that that thing could stick with him. He thinks that story's dead. I don't know, man. Not unless he goes out a winner. Um, let's see here. Always good listening to you, Dan. Have a good weekend. That's from Rosendo and Henderson. Thank you. If the Broncos lose one game to the Raiders, do you think the Broncos country will be ready to chase Russ out the torches and uh, with torches and pitchforks? Well, we're running a promo right now on the station talking about could Russ be benched? And Mark Schleyer says, they're stinking after six weeks. He's out. Sean Payton's not going to play. He's just not going to play. So there you go. All right, coming up next, I've been teasing. I actually, Sydney, I'm going to get you back in on this as well. Can you, not can you, I know you can, should you buy Happiness, fascinating story that happened on the drive this week. We'll get into that finally coming up next.